Welcome to Words of Grace, radio ministry of Elder Ben Winslet, pastor of the Flint River Primitive Baptist Church near Huntsville, Alabama. We invite you to stay tuned to today's broadcast. It's such a privilege to have you in our listening audience today. I pray that God is blessing you richly in your life in all good ways, and we're thankful that you're a part of our family here at Words of Grace. We'd love to hear from you if you listen to the broadcast. You can reach out to us via email or social media at the Facebook page for Flint River Primitive Baptist Church, or you can send us a letter an old-fashioned way. All of that information is found at our church website, which is available at flintriverpbc.org. That's flintriverpbc.org.
I'm sure we've all heard the story of the wild Gadarene named Legion from the Bible. I recently delivered a sermon on a Sunday morning about this particular character from the Word of God, and there were so many wonderful and helpful lessons that were contained in that lesson that I wanted to share it with our radio listening audience here on Words of Grace. It's our intention to divide this message into two radio programs this week and next. And some of the thoughts that I want you to have in the back of your mind as you listen to this sermon is, number one, the dreadful state that this man was in as the Lord Jesus Christ finds him, and how you and I might be inclined to judge him and his condition, his mental sanity, as he enters into the biblical narrative. I also want you to think about the compassion of our Lord to this man in all of his affliction, going where he was and changing him, changing his life for the better. And then lastly, as we come to the close of this next week, I think we have a great picture of biblical evangelism in this man, the wild Gadarene, this demon-possessed man named Legion, because what this man is commanded to do is to go and share with others the good things that God has done for him in his life. And that's what each of us who know the Lord are called to do, to go and to share the story of Christ and the impact he has made on our lives with those that are around us, and to encourage them to come and to walk with us as disciples. Here's this morning's message, part one of The Wild Gadarene. I have entitled my thoughts this morning, The Wild Gadarene, and I want to direct our attention to an account of Jesus mercifully healing an afflicted man in the book of Luke chapter 8. As you're turning to Luke chapter 8, I'll say that there are several themes that we want to emphasize in our message today. Some of these might grab your attention as we begin to share them with you. First of all, we're going to look at what Scripture very plainly describes as demonic influence on people. We'll consider some things today that we might be inclined in our modern day and age to refer to as mental illness, because as we look at the account of this man, if the man that we study today were to be behaving in the way that he behaved in Jesus' day, in our day, we would probably interpret his situation as a mental illness, and we'll have comments on that, so we'll clarify some things in a moment. You have to hold on and pay attention to all of it. We want to emphasize the theme of Jesus' love and mercy to one of his children despite the terrible situation that Jesus finds him in. We might be inclined to look at this man and say, there's absolutely no hope for this man in the world. Surely, this wild gathering is somebody that simply doesn't belong to the Lord Jesus. He's as far away from Jesus as he could possibly be. And then lastly, the thought that we want to share with you today, a theme that we want to emphasize, is that of evangelism. Because as we come to the close of the passage that we want to consider today, we'll see that Jesus heals this man. He has mercy to this man. But the last thing that he tells this man to do is to go and share what Jesus has done for him in his life with those nearest to him, his family and his friends. Now, as we've already said today, this story considers what appears to be the most afflicted man that we find in the entire Bible as it relates to someone being possessed with devils or, as we would say today, being demon-possessed. Now, 
you might say, well, the KJV says devils and modern English, we, the KJV is written in modern English, but contemporary English, we might be inclined to say demons. Is there a difference in a devil and a demon? And the answer to that question is no. Those are synonyms. They have reference to the same thing. And in fact, the word demon in English is more akin to the word in Greek that translates devils in our KJV. So when we talk about demon possession today, and we talk about this man with an unclean spirit, we talk about this man that is possessed of many devils, the word spirit and devil and demon, these words are all synonymous for the same thing. And so as we begin to dig into this, we're reading about a man possessed with devils, probably the man who is possessed with more and afflicted greater than any other person in the Word of God. Jesus healed many people in his personal ministry who were afflicted by devils. There was a woman named Mary that had seven devils, and Jesus cast them out of her, sets her in her right mind. At times, men come to Jesus and they say, My child is afflicted with devils, and these unclean spirits try to cast him in the fire. They try to throw him into the ground. They try to harm him. They're destructive to him. Lord, I know that you can heal him. And it's amazing to know that every single time one comes and brings their little one or their loved one to Jesus, that Jesus always heals them. And the presence of Christ is always healing as far as his personal presence in his ministry. Jesus never says no. But every time someone comes to him, whether it be a palsy, which is a paralysis, whether it be blindness, deafness, leprosy, whether it be even death. When people come to Jesus asking for healing in his personal ministry, Jesus is always merciful. He always grants that which they need. And when he comes across his children who are suffering affliction at the hands of demons or devils, Jesus always casts these devils out of this afflicted child of God. Now, we'll emphasize some points today regarding the reaction of the devils to Jesus because, just to plant some seeds in your mind this morning, the way that popular culture depicts it, there's some sort of a colossal battle between good and evil, and as it relates to the power and authority of these forces in the world. You might view them as on equal footing in modern America, or maybe maybe the Lord has a slight upper hand against the forces of darkness. But I want you to understand today, as we will see, that when the devils see the Lord Jesus, there is no equality in terms of power or authority. He has complete power over them. God is sovereign over the devil. He is sovereign over the devils, plural, and praise God, there's coming a day in which our powerful, sovereign God, as King of kings and Lord of lords, will even judge that wicked one and all of his angels, and they will be cast away into the lake of fire that is prepared for them according to Matthew chapter 25, for all of eternity, where they will face the just penalty, the just punishment for what they have done in this world. Satan is the father of lies and a murderer from the beginning. Do you know the murderer of the human race is? The murderer of the human race is Satan. Because God created man to live forever upright as a natural man with access to the tree of life 
And you know in Genesis that that wicked one, Satan, the serpent, that old serpent, the devil, comes to Eve and beguiles her and tempts her to eat of the tree of which God had commanded them not to eat. And she gives to her husband, Adam, and he does eat. And in that moment, through the lie of Satan, humanity is plunged into sin, and the wages of sin is what? Death. And so Satan is a murderer and a liar from the beginning, but God is greater than that wicked one, and that wicked one will lose at the end of time. He will lose. You don't have to go to bed at night wondering, is this all going to pan out where that wicked one and the forces of evil win? No, in the end, there will be ultimate justice, and every wrong will be put right. Complete vindication of God's people. Satan will be judged. There's no competition for power between the Lord and that wicked one. Let's turn to Luke 8 and begin reading in verse 26. Now, to give you a little bit of what happens prior to this, I'll read for you Luke 8, 26. They arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. Now, this is on the Sea of Galilee. As they arrive, they get out of the boat, and immediately this man, a certain man that we'll comment on later, as you see in verse 27, meets them and begins to cry out to Jesus in a most peculiar way, given the circumstance that this man is in at this time. Now, just because there's a difference in terms here, we want to give you a little bit of clarity regarding this place, the country of the Gadarenes. In the book of Matthew, it's the Gergesenes, and you might wonder, is it the region of the Gergesenes, or is it the region of the Gadarenes? Is it Gadara, or is it this other place? Notice that the Bible doesn't say he enters into the city of Gadara, but the country of the Gadarenes, and that really settles what that means. Matthew and Luke are not at odds with each other on where this occurs. They're describing a general region of land. And these are all cities. They're all in the same basic vicinity of Galilee. They're all in the, around the Sea of Galilee. And so you have one city and you have another city, and the lines between the boundaries are blurred. Jesus is in this general vicinity of Gadara, or the place of the Gadarenes, the region of the Gadarenes, or, as Matthew would say, the Gergesenes or Gergesenes. Now, regarding that, Albert Barnes says, Gadara was a city not far from Lake Genesareth. Remember from recently as we talked about the Sea of Galilee being one and the same with Lake Genesareth. One of the ten cities that were called Decapolis. How does that make it difficult as you're studying history to know that there are ten cities named Decapolis? Gergesa was a city about 12 miles to the southeast of Gadara, about 20 miles to the east of Jordan. There is no contradiction, therefore, between the evangelist of Matthew and Luke. He came into the region in which the two cities were situated, and one evangelist mentioned one and another, the other city. And so it's not that there's a contradiction. You have both types of people here. You have the Gadarenes, and you have the Gergesenes and This basically is just a region that encompasses both. So Jesus arrives here at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. 
And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man. Now, last week we talked about Cornelius, and we described him as a certain man. And I want to emphasize that point again with you this morning. You are a certain person to the Lord. You are a certain man or a certain woman. Now, we talk about the doctrine of election because the Bible teaches it. And if you want proof of that, just look up the word elect in a concordance. It's something that Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, Paul, Peter, and I suppose Jude mentions it without the word. They all talk about the doctrine of election, and we think about that as God electing a people, but I want you to understand that the people is made up of certain individuals. You are certain individuals to God, a certain man. I love when that statement's used in the Bible. This was a certain man. He had an identity. He's not folklore. He's not myth. And he's not just some nameless face in a crowd that the Lord has mercy on, but he's a certain man, and so are you, certain men and certain women. There met him out of a city, a certain man, which had devils a long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in tombs. Now, notice some more information about him in the parenthetical statement in verse 29. Jesus has commanded the unclean spirit to come out of him. More on that later. But often it had caught him, and and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. We'll say more on that in a moment. But I want to make some points here. Out of the tombs come a wild, afflicted, naked man who looked... In a word, to us, terrifying. All right, so put yourself there. You arrive on shore. You're getting out of the boat. You're not Jesus. The other people are you. You you might be like Peter. You might be like James. You might be like John. You're getting out. You're following Jesus. Jesus is walking, and all of a sudden, this, what we would call, and it's not a PC term anymore, crazy guy, He's naked. He's got long matted hair. He's probably got spittle in his beard. He's covered in cuts and scars from previous injuries. There's probably bruising on his arm where people have bound him with chains that he breaks. And he comes out of the tomb and he's crying out to Jesus. You're probably thinking, let's get back in the boat, right? You roll up at Walmart and that happens to you. You get back in the car, you lock the door. You put it in reverse, you pull out of the parking space, you drive off. I mean, this guy looks like an uncivilized Winslet. This reminds me of some of my kinfolks from back home. This guy comes walking up and he looks absolutely insane because guess what? He is insane. This man, if you notice, this devil had afflicted him. These devils had afflicted him long time, which had devils long time, verse 27. This means that his affliction was long term. This is not something that has happened for months, but something that has happened for years. This man wear no clothes. Look at verse 27. This means that he is quite literally naked. All right, that's terrifying. It's kind of gross. And yet, here this man comes walking up. 
screaming and yelling, hollering. He dwelled in tombs and caves in the hillside. Now turn over to the book of Mark chapter 5 if you want to keep your finger here in Luke. We'll be right back to it because that's the account of this we're going to look at. Mark chapter 5 gives us this account. Jesus, Mark says, uh, goes into the country of the Gadarenes, much like Luke. Matthew is the one that uses the other term. When he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. This man had superhuman strength. Men could not bind him with chains. The chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken into piece into pieces, neither could any man tame him. Okay, so when we call and we talk about an animal that's not tame, what do we call the animal? It's feral, wild. This is a wild man. This is a man that lives like a feral animal. You ever come across feral animals as opposed to domesticated animals? You know, there's a meme that goes around on Facebook from time to time, and somebody's got a coyote in the backseat of their car. Like, I think I found your dog. He's not very housebroken because it's not a dog. It's a coyote. Don't get near the coyote. This man could not be tame. He's like a wild animal, could not be tame. And with superhuman strength, by reason of these devils, that's something to think about. This is mysterious and interesting, and there's more about it we don't know than we do know. He's breaking the chains. He could not be kept. At the same time, he's always night and day in the mountains, in the caves, wandering around the hillside and in the tombs, crying. And this word crying comes from the Greek krazo, which means to cry aloud. So when we say crying, he's not like weeping. He's howling like a wild animal, literally crying aloud at the top of his lungs. Could you imagine living around there and hearing that and seeing that? This is real. It's really happened. Now, you and I live in a day and age with modern medicine and infrastructure. And I know that some of us are more skeptical of the government and government intervention and things such as that as others. But before that existed, when you are like this man, you are driven away from society to literally live as a feral person in the wilderness. Even the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, when he lost his mind, what happened to him? He's driven out. He goes around eating grass like an oxen on all fours. His hair grew out like feathers and his nails grew out like talons. And for seven seasons, that's how Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man in the world, lived. When this happens in this day and age, you're just driven away. I'm thankful that our Bible-influenced society has more compassion on people today than what society had on people then. The reason that this is, is because in the history of our country, we see through the influence of the Word of God and the gospel that men and women are made after God's own image, and we don't treat them that way. We don't treat them that way. This man is afflicted, and people can't help him. Now, as we think about that, is it necessarily this man's fault? 
Who's to blame here? The man's not to blame in this passage, is he? Who's to blame? The devil's. This man is afflicted and he cannot help what he's doing. He cannot help what is happening to him. He is afflicted by that wicked one. And while we might be tempted to look at him and say, drive him away because it's scary and he's a danger to you and to others. Jesus looks on him with compassion and praise God, Jesus is the one that actually has the ability to do something about it because so many times you and I can't do anything about it. Notice from Mark 5 another thing that we read about him. Not only does he spend his time day and night always in the mountains for a long time, in the tombs, breaking the chains, no one can tame him, no one can contain him, crying, but this man spends his time cutting himself with stones. He takes jagged rocks and he slashes his flesh. He's destructive. Now, back to Luke chapter 8. We're going to make some comments about this. Why does this man do this? He does this because he is possessed with devils. We'll see in a moment, many devils. It's not just one. Now, it's referred to as a devil, and it's referred to as an unclean spirit. But this man is possessed of a long time of many devils. This man's soul, his mind, is the playground of demonic forces. And again, you and I would look at him and be judgmental, right? I mean, I would. He's coming at my wife in a parking lot, and there's going to be a conversation for good reason. He's dangerous. And as much as we want to have compassion on people, we also don't want dangerous people to hurt those we love. But he does this because he is possessed with devils. This is out of his control. Doctors can't help him. Psychologists wouldn't be able to help him. The apostles could have helped them, help this man. But in today's time, lacking the gifts of the apostles, I can't heal the sick, I can't raise the dead, I can't speak in languages I've never learned. I wouldn't be able to firsthand help him because I can't cast the devils out of a person. You know, there were some exorcists in the book of Acts chapter 19 that took upon themselves to cast out devils. And the devil in this man says, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? And the devil in this man causes this man to beat these men to the point that they leave the place for fear of their lives, beaten and partially nude, drives them from the room. I don't have the ability to cast a devil out of a person. I wish I did. What I can do is pray to the one who can. I can pray to the one who can. We can fast. We can pray. We can beg God because God can do that, just like Jesus can do that. It's so comforting for us to know that even though we're powerless to affect such a situation as this man named Legion who is possessed with many devils, that Jesus, well, he has all power in heaven and in earth. God is omnipotent, 
None can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? And he is so merciful and so full of pity that as he finds one of his children in such a shape here in this world during his personal ministry, well, he wouldn't leave them in such a condition as he found them. I hope you'll tune in again next week at this same time for the continuation of this message on the wild Gadarene. Until then, may the Lord's richest blessings be yours, is my prayer. If you enjoy the messages you hear on Words of Grace, consider this your invitation to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. Copies of this and other broadcasts are available for download on iTunes and on our website. Address your correspondence to Words of Grace Radio, 641 Moontown Road, Brownsboro, Alabama, 35741, or visit us online at flintriverpbc.org.